Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Come to where I'm from podcast episode 94. And how do you say your last name? Uh, Math Lucy. Math Lucy. But I'm going to go with ML, the ML from now on. But you could say either. ML from now on. Yeah, we're okay. trying. Like Madonna. <laughs> just, just a single word name. Yeah, I'm ready to be just myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love my dad's name, but. But what? I don't know. I'm ready to be just me. <laughs> he was the intellectual? <laughs> yeah. Well, how so? Uh, yeah, you have to ask him. I mean, he's coming from. But he's a, not here. No. <laughs> Ask him, Joe. Come on. <laughs> Mr. Mathlouthi. <laughs> what was his name? You say it so well. Sa- uh, well Sa- Salah. Salah. I'm Israeli. Oh, that's why so, you have the good Salah. accent. Yeah. Salah. Yeah, yeah. Good job. So your dad's the intellectual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you were raised by uh, him and your, and your mom who's like into agriculture. Is that right? No, my mom is an elementary school teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they were both... My, my dad was also a university teacher. Oh, okay. What did he so. teach? History. History. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was reading in that Vogue article that it said, like, you had to, like, be careful about talking smart or something like that. Like... In the house? In the house. Or just because of the growing up in a dictatorship... That there was like this atmosphere of you couldn't express yourself, I guess, on some level. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you got involved in certain things, like the, you would be in trouble. Like what? Well, po- anything, anything that represents like a free, you know, conversation. Right. Basically. Thought police type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, like exactly. George Orwell 1984 type of thing. Exactly. People were policing themselves and right. their well, friends. And don't you see that happening here now? The atmosphere of people self-policing? Like that it's rising up here? Like that energy? Do you sense that? Yeah, I mean, I sense that um, a lot of people like see a lot of hope in what happens in Tunisia here, which is like funny to me because we've always looked up to America and, you know, the democracy and Right. So it's it's funny. Like now, it's really serious. Every time I release a song or something, I feel, you know, I see all these friends, American friends, you know, reacting like so. It feels sad, you well, know. In, explain that. What do you mean? Well, people are people are very um, people are very concerned, like seriously concerned about what about the future of this country. Yeah. You know? In what regard, though, are you speaking? Well, politically, but then... uh, The freedom of this place, you mean? The freedom of this place, everything that holds it together. Right. Everything that held it together. Yeah. Because everything is politic, you know? Yeah. Well, the thought police thing is happening. I mean, people are self-censoring. And, you know, this cancel culture. Yeah. Yeah. Is a real thing here. Yeah, yeah. So when I read that, I was like, thinking like wow i wonder if you sense that that same atmosphere emerging again since you grew up in that atmosphere yeah i mean and then got free of that atmosphere and then now 
you're living in New York, right? Yeah. 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 Well, um, it's still like New York is still a little bit different from anywhere else in the U.S. Yeah. But I mean, when I when I look at what everything is happening, yeah, it feels like, you know, um, not that you know in Tunisia we made that much progress because we we still have a lot of progress to make. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very it's very concerning for the rest of the world because you know America has such an influence and mm. has been so involved. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. That if like we fall, if we lose our freedom here, what does that mean? For what does that mean else? for everyone else? That's, Exa- in, that's intense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we have a responsibility. Yeah, and everyone that lives here, you know, even as an immigrant, I feel now that I have, you know, I used to like really look, uh, look out for Tunisia and the Arab world, mm-hmm. but now I feel like I have a responsibility, you know, and in a way, it's it's. Um, it's inspiring in some ways, mm. so I feel like I'm 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 useful. I can be useful, you know, in yeah. in, in many different ways. How uh, so? Well, to me, like being in New York was uh, was very freeing because I didn't necessarily want to keep carrying that responsibility of the political artists of the you know you have to speak up for this, you have to speak up for that. So I came here and I discovered this whole dimension of myself like trusting myself as a producer trusting myself as a as a musician as a as an arranger as a as a lyricist as a composer all these things were a little bit kind of uh, hidden inside and coming to new york made me really trust myself and push myself harder and to just like be a musician a musician and dig in my craziest experimentation musical experimentations so I kind of like left that, you know, flag that I had to carry to the side, you know, not changing the topics that I that I'm interested in or my sensitivities about, you know, certain aspects of life and, and society. But um, but now I feel, OK, um, well, uh, maybe I should use all of that now to speak up for this country. Mm-hmm. And what would you say if you spoke up for this country? Um, that, you know, freedom of expression, uh, does not mean, uh, is, is, it's not only about Tunisia and the Arab world right now, you know, we need, we need to free this country from the sort of like, it's kind of a dictatorship, you know, that's going on. Yeah. You know, a lot of decisions being, being made, you know, for everybody and lots of steps back in time. And a lot of hatred growing. Right, lots so. of animosity. Yeah. I feel like that people are afraid to express themselves because of the cancel culture. Yeah, and then, yeah, the cancel culture. I've, yeah, I see that. I see that happening. And I think that, you know, um, people, people have to express. I mean, but also like the, the history here and... You know, what happened here is is a completely different story than, you know, what's happening in Europe, for example, or what's happened in Tunisia. But um, I feel still people have to defend their ideas, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and be brave enough to express their ideas in the beginning. Yeah, be brave to express their ideas and to also... Even be brave enough to have ideas. 
Yeah, well, like that's Ehud the... won't even have ideas. <laughs> like Ehud's just like I don't know, I don't know anything. I'm well. The similarities. <laughs> what, what, I was, what I was telling him to me, the similarities between Tunisia and here, I guess, is if we go back to the Arab Spring and and how sort of you got involved with that, where it started in Tunisia with like a viral video of mm-hmm. a guy who set himself on fire, and then. the sort of movement started is the same almost as all the um, demonstrations and the stuff that's going on with the younger people in this country are slowly starting. You sort of see this like uprising starting to come up from the ground up related to social media and social awareness and the young people are just fed up and it's sort of very similar to that. Yeah, actually, what... Obviously, that was a full dictatorship and years of oppression, and I I don't know what it was like growing up in Tunisia in the years you were there, but probably back there, if you spoke up, the consequences would be a lot different than just being canceled on social media. Well, I'm seeing a lot of things that people are not just being canceled. Like Dude, I said, I've it's not seen just pers- being canceled <laughs> on social giving, media. I was giving a, Dude, I that's know. where it starts, and then they can't make a living. I mean, right. it's like canceled on social media. You know, no, it, as a result yeah, yeah. of something. I mean, that's on like that's no, way, as a result that's understating of, it yeah, yeah, a lot. Of something bro. on social media. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I've seen like come protesters. On, I've seen protesters like yesterday. I saw a video of protesters being beaten and arrested. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't pay attention where where they were protesting. And the protester who was in a wheelchair. I don't know if you've right, seen yeah, that I video. Saw that. I saw. You know, so that. things are getting pretty wild. But I've seen in Floyd the same that you know we've we we seen in Boazizi. Yeah. You know, his death sparked such a huge outrage. Outrage, and I mean, it is going to continue. You know, and it's I I believe that something. Um, has awakened and it's not gonna go back so well there's still democratic elections here so there's that there's whole the illusion of democratic we'll elections we'll here. see we'll see what <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know like, you know yeah, yeah mean, it's look, true. Look, it's, look, it's at, an look at the choices that we have exactly. too. We have, it's an we have on one side a guy who's got <laughs> early onset Alzheimer's disease that's pretty clear on the other side, you know, you got somebody who is narcissistic and is just, you know, the country is divided beyond belief. A lot of division, yes. It makes me sad, truly, yeah. that this country has so much, you know, culturally, you know, growing up, I was looking forward, you know, to being in America. What like years listen, were you in Tunisia? Uh, the 2000s. That's Wait, so keep going with what you were saying, though. You were looking forward to being... Yeah, because, you know, I was listening to all this amazing music, you know, like Art Tatum and, you know, Sidney Bichette and um, watching all the movies and, mm-hmm. you know, Tarantino. And right. It was a lot of, you know, culturally, I was... Freedom. Yeah. Exceptional the- stuff. And then I got into John Baez and Bob Dylan mm-hmm. and... That stuff really revolutionized my life and my entire existence. Right. And then to see what's happening now, I mean, I don't want to be sad, but I feel like maybe there's not that so many, so much people speaking up anymore, like artistically, for example. Well, you know? it's yeah, it's also like the uh, there's this we're, we're being oppressed, uh, you know, by the the thought police. I think 
And I think that sort of limits expression. You know, it, it limits that freedom of expression or that feeling that you can risk or be an individual. I mean, but I think we can, it's, it's, it becomes our responsibility to express ourselves anyway. Yeah, and I see there's a, there's a lot of uh, will in trying to divide people. Right. Know? And that creates a lot of confusion. And that's why I think it's very important for artists to, to, to unite, like you know? Divide and conquer. Yeah, we need, we need to, find, to find ways to unite. And, and, you know, how, the, how would you suppose <laughs> we do? How do you suppose we do that? Well, I always think, you know, I think art is always the answer because look at how many people consume so much music every day. Unfortunately, the people consume a lot of bad music every day, but music can, you know, speak to people so fast. That's true. You know, and not just music, art in general. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we should all. We should put everything in there. Mm -hmm. To me, that's, that's no doubt. Art has always been the way. You can express these ideas in a song, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, the last few days I released this uh, new rendition of a, of a song of mine that was important uh, during the Arab Spring. Uh, the song is uh, called Kalimti uh, Hurra, which means my word is free. Mm -hmm. And it was such an important song you know, from the year 2010 and, you know, so on until I performed at the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm -hmm. So the song represented so much. And during the confinement, I decided to uh, call a few different artists and do a, you know, a confinement rendition. It was kind of like for fun at the beginning. But then as I was getting so much positive response from artists, I decided to grow it. And I ended up, you know, with over 50 artists from all over the world. And I have never collaborated with artists from, you know, I'm from North Africa, so there's the, that kind of like division between North Africa and the rest of Africa, which means, you know, whiter Africa and black Africa. Mm -hmm. So for the first time, I'm collaborating with artists from Mali, from Djibouti. And I think it's a shame because originally we were colonized. So the, 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 the colonizer, you know, divided us. So, and all of a sudden I saw, I saw the, the magic happen. I, I saw people, you know, that are, that have nothing to do with Arab, uh, Arabic, singing in Arabic, um, people even uh, translating the Arabic lyrics and singing their own take with their own language. It was just so positive and so inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I think those kind of initiatives can translate into so much more, you know, inside people. It can give people hope and, you know, give them an image that um, we are all, we are all in this together and we are all the same and mm. we all want the same things and we all get moved by the same things, mm. you know. Yeah, but I don't think everybody does want the same thing and I think <laughs> that's the problem. I think that there's like a psychopathic um, initiative going on that is trying to demolish the human spirit and um, I feel like there is definitely an initiative in that direction and that we need to fight against that well definitely but when i say everybody wants the same thing that means everybody wants um a decent life everybody wants you know a good meal uh and and, mm -hmm. and everybody is pleased by the sight of a night of a beautiful beach 
Everybody likes good music. But you know? some people are after the destruction of others. Exactly. Then, <laughs> and that's where. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Most like I'm, I'm with all that first stuff you said. I'm down with that. Yeah. Like if yeah. it was just that, e if only it could be just that easy. Like that everyone just agreed that that's what we want. Let's all just have that. It's like that story I forgot. You know where where people were living in a village and some guy outsmarted everybody and started like it's a story with peanuts. I don't know if you you know that story. It's like in the ancient times and everybody was living in peace together mm -hmm. and somebody just outsmarted everyone and started sneaking at night and you know trying to Taking make profit so maybe that's somehow in the human you know nature to mm -hmm. try to you know but i think that's why we need laws and regulations you know that can protect yeah. minorities that can protect you know the democracy and protect everybody's and protect rights children Ex absolutely you know protect yeah. the children that i guess are like going missing at an in, a, in an alarming rate for god knows what reasons at this point that i think are starting to be uncovered which is also incredibly frightening we're not yeah we're not protecting our children i mean i'm trying to protect my child mm -hmm. but you know there's only a certain amount of things I can do on a personal level because the children are going to go to school. They're going to be exposed, you know, in the society. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, what I'm saying is that uh, art has that power of delivering something that can at least, you know, for like, let's say four minutes or my video, for instance, is eight minutes long for eight minutes long. Someone is going to see all this diversity, all these people from different religions, from different cultures, from different backgrounds, from yeah. different countries, you know, just getting together and singing together. And they're not even like all singers, you know, it was not about just delivering like a, a masterpiece of music, you know, and of people performing, you know, like virtuosity. Where do people find that? Um, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, it's on my YouTube channel. And the song is named, uh, the song's name is Kelmti Hurra. My word is free. My word is free. Yeah. And how does it go? Can you sing a little of it a cappella? Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> أنا صوت المرثخوش أنا وسط الفوضى معنا أنا حق I could hear that. I could listen to you do that for hours. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you. How did you discover the gift of singing? Um, I think I've always liked singing. I think singing is great, mm -hmm. you know? It's like being connected to God singing, I think. Absolutely. It's, yeah, you're connected to something that's not on earth, definitely. Mm -hmm. The spirit realm. <laughs> so since I was a kid, I liked singing children's songs. Okay. So I was obsessed. I used to learn all of them, um, all the books I could find, all the lyrics, and then eventually... As a teenager, I started really um, developing like favorite artists and really wanting to learn the songs and 
um, work on my voice and try. I I used to rehearse a lot with Celine Dion. She used to be my voice teacher. Right. <laughs> Did you know her personally? No, just remotely, right? No, but I could. I almost know her personally because, well, she's such an open book. I, I love her. Like, she's so her. open about everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, yeah, I used to watch her interviews, watch her shows, and just listening to her voice in her songs, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I could get transported. Was there enough access when you were growing up to that kind of music in Tunisia? Well, the access was definitely tricky. So it was basically the radio. Um, local and then or you were getting it local, from somewhere else? Local, local. yeah. Local radio and, um, and there was cassettes. And I don't know where I got, you know, I, I know it was hard for me to buy... You know, we weren't, we didn't have a lot of money, and my parents certainly didn't give me money to buy CDs and like, you know. Um, so I think, yeah, I had, I had a cassette of one of her first albums, and um, I used to like spend my summers listening over and over and over. I would be washing dishes and. Was there yeah. any <laughs> musician in your family or anybody in musical in your family, or did you just discover this music on your own? Yeah, not really. I mean, my dad has uh, an amazing vinyl collection. So since I was a child, mm. I like I was saying, I used to listen to, you know, very uh, old jazz records and classical music records. So he used to wake us up every Sunday morning with the spring from Vivaldi. So I, it was annoying back then, <laughs> but I think somehow it stuck it with sounds me. Sounds <laughs> cute, actually, though. <laughs> like he would just why, it would why? turn it up loud That's in the, the morning. The yeah. alarm clock. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it would be like, why? He sounds like a pretty cool dude. <laughs> yeah, he is. He definitely is. So yeah, yeah. like one time he he visited and and uh, my daughter is a fan of Dalida. I don't know if you know this singer. Who? Dalida. She's a French. Italian Egyptian singer. I mean, she's oh. Italian and she lived in Egypt and then she became a star in France and all over Europe. And my dad got so pissed off. He's like, what, what, what was I playing when you were a kid? I was playing Beethoven, Mozart. How dare you? <laughs> Let your kids listen to this garbage, right? <laughs> well, I love Dalida. Yeah, but yeah. to him, it was like, Blasphemy. what? Pop? <laughs> You know? So he's got a little bit of pretension in him. Yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. But I'm very grateful because because I think I, I yeah, I don't know why I would have been like if I didn't grow up listening to these great tunes, you know? Right. So and classical music stuck with me because ever since I started making albums I always, always record strings and I I hear strings when I'm composing, so I already have like the string arrangement in my head. Do you have a quartet you work with in the city? I do, actually. Can I get their phone numbers? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they're the best. Yeah, because uh, uh, I, I, I love strings, too. Yeah. I mean, strings are just, yeah, a connection you, with, the, with the heavens. Do you ever tune to 432 instead of 440? Do you know that? A, no. A440 is what you normally would tune to. Oh, yeah. But instead you tune to A432. Interesting. You should look into that. Okay. That's really fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into these things. 
it's uh, apparently it's like more universally beautiful or something. I don't know how to explain it. It's more symmetrical. The soundscapes are it's symmetrical. Like it, it's like uh, it just creates this like more appealing vibration. Wow. Yeah, like 440 is a bit more angular. Yeah. A bit more square. Yeah. 432 is more like, woo. Wow, that definitely speaks to me. Yeah, I, I've been tuning to that for a while now and I've all my recent recordings are on 432. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> How long absolutely. have you been in New York? Uh 5 years. Uh-huh. 5 what, years and a half. What area generally speaking? Well, I lived in Harlem oh, for cool. for the most of it and I just moved to the West Village. Oh, nice. So you're right you're at home right now. Yeah, well, what's happening now makes me be even happier for deciding to move to the West Village. Why? Because <laughs> I actually... This is just three minutes from my home. Oh, what happened? Right? Coming right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming <laughs> here today. I was like, awesome. I knew I was right. So why were you so late? Because <laughs> <laughs> you came <laughs> from upstate. Well, because I came from upstate What today, were you doing up there? Right? Uh, so we have a home. Ah. And actually, I recorded my, uh, not last record, the one before. No, this last record. I recorded my last record in a little town called Mount Tremper. Uh-huh. I started actually going upstate for the last few years to record music and to compose and to search myself. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, at some point it, it made sense. So we got this, this little place in the mountain and I just need to be in the nature yeah, when you initially went up there, would you just like rent a bed, like a sort of Airbnb type of situation, or what would you do? Yeah, that's what I I I don't I don't like the idea of like rent, renting a studio, uh-huh. and it's more expensive anyways, you know. I so mean I to just, live. To live? Yeah. Like oh when yeah. You would go up when there, I was like, visiting, yeah, I, I would. I, we would rent, uh, you know, sometimes for a weekend. Sometimes when I recorded my album, I I I, I rented a house. Uh, for like two weeks and um, it just makes me connect you know with my deeper self and just be also vulnerable you know because we feel vulnerable with nature Um, in front of nature why because nature is so strong and it's so when when you're like sitting in by a river or sitting in front of the sea or you know contemplating a mountain it's you just you know you wonder how anything bad can be happening you know a few a few miles away or something yeah you know and i like that state because it makes you go back to being just very humble your very humble little self and you have to search what's the most um positive and most honest expression of yourself that you need to bring in your music Mm. you know that's cool i needed to do that somebody i was just producing a song for someone he gave me a car like uh he just said hey i got this extra car do you want it (laughs) did you take it i'm gonna (laughs) i think i'm gonna take it because i i want to start i just want to start going upstate like because i need starts with having a car i need a bug out (laughs) Like, <laughs> it starts with that are you a little concerned with being in the city like right now during this these chaotic times and with what the uprising that feels that's occurring but that will I feel like increase as uh, you know joblessness 
continues and all that stuff like the violence that that's erupting in the city and does this concern you at all and do you do you feel like escaping to upstate i'm asking for a friend no i don't i don't i don't i don't no i don't feel like escaping i love the city mm-hmm. um i i consider myself really part of the city mm-hmm. and by the way i feel so alive right now right i love the mountain but i just i'm a city girl yeah. i always I, i've always lived in cities so and new york just speaks to me on so many levels and yeah. i spent a few weeks here um and um i'm just i'm just not i don't know i feel i feel home mm-hmm. so i i spent actually most of the confinement in tunisia oh really so maybe maybe i don't know what i'm talking about oh you were just there no you do know what you're talking about i've been here the whole time and 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 as crazy as it is yeah and i do feel like i need to kind of like get away i guess to a degree but i also have been feeling utterly alive and really kind of happy to be here so it exactly. is it's weird yeah so it's I exactly know what you what mean. I, yeah it's exactly what i felt i just got got back to the city now and that's exactly how i feel um and yeah i don't think i don't think i'm ever going to abandon this place but it's definitely a concern like as a musician am i going to be able to perform again when you know are you doing live streams what's the deal yeah so i started doing live streams as early as mid march mm-hmm. and uh that really meant a lot to me I enjoyed it actually in in some ways I enjoyed it a little better than a live a, a real live performance because you just you know you don't even need to dress up entirely right just the You're top just like, half actually what I'm seeing right now that I didn't see last time I was here all these new terraces mm. so oh, the street the, yeah it's beautiful the I'm, restaurants who I'm gonna say something dining. silly but like New York needed a pandemic to just start being like you know an outdoor because it's not very american tradition to have no. like all these terraces so paris right yeah and and so drinking, outside. drinking outside yeah. is a big one i mean those changed it somebody I'm else told me from a culture that, that like yeah. even yeah. even like you just put a chair in front of your house and sit there and just look at people you mm-hmm. know passing by yeah yeah, I so, like that aspect of, of what's going so on. So yes. it was always weird to me. Like I remember the first times we went to this barbecue place that was that has this huge, beautiful terrace and there's a river, but everybody was inside and it's dark. And I was even like a little shy. Can we please sit outside, you know? Mm-hmm. And they said, sure. And I'm like, why isn't everybody just sitting outside, you know? Because people are wild. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's a good aspect. I like to see, you know, good aspects in in every, you know, yeah. tricky situation. And um, yeah, it's nice to see people outside and you know feeling alive, and that's important. Are you selling a new live stream or anything like that? Do you have anything booked like that, or are you just? playing it by ear so it's yeah it's funny because <laughs> i'm gonna pitch I one have, to her after this great i <laughs> thank you i have a lot of things that have been going on but i have been so bad at publicizing them that, yeah. that well initially because i was solo parenting for two months and i was also you know 
taking care of my dad and cooking and I was the only one who was in charge of shopping and mm-hmm. bleaching uh, everything so I would like go out uh, I had a terrace and I would go uh, upstairs and I would ask anybody everybody to not bother me but just like half an hour before the live stream and I would be like in in a crisis mode uh-huh. and I kind of got used to that but yeah I have to get better at publicizing this new format but what was the crisis mode well that for example I would decide last minute that what I'm actually no that like what are those <laughs> lyrics wait what are the... Yeah, that whole thing. I do that every single time. And I wait, ever do where's anything. the cable? Where's oh, yeah. the cable? Where's my capo? <laughs> oh no! Why isn't my pedal working? Holy shit! I forgot to tune the guitar. <laughs> you know the funny thing is that I haven't played. I kind of gave up playing the guitar because I turned my music became a little bit more electronic, and mm-hmm. I have these awesome musicians, and I just want to sing on stage, right? right. I want to perform with my whole body. I don't want to. So I haven't played guitar on my own for a long time. And I found myself in my childhood home and I didn't even have a guitar. So one of, one of my fans uh, lent me a classic guitar. Like Classical. No, I literally didn't play a classic guitar since I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So I had to relearn, you know, like my fingers were like, uh, you know, all you know, Callous. in pain. And, uh, you know, tuning tuning was tricky. So it was very humbling, you know, to go back to the basics and Mm -hmm. to try to make a strength out of it and still, like, exist and be valid artistically. But, uh, yeah, so I recorded in that environment. At some point, I'm like, but these lives are awesome, actually. I'm enjoying this so much. I'm enjoying these versions of of my songs. I I don't need so much stuff happening anymore i'm liking this just acoustic stuff back to basics exactly so i recorded a new set like that just 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 my idea was to make this album with just like voice and guitar no overdubs nice i did the overdubs i recorded two albums two acoustic albums yeah as part of a double album Uh called the tunis diaries one part day with uh, all of my songs but acoustic some uh, a selection of my songs with acoustic and the side night which you have a lot of the frogs you know i have i think a whole field next to my house where you had all the Frogs. frogs symphony at night and the birds at day so I had all this happening while I was recording. The second side is night and it's uh, covers. And all these covers that meant so much to me growing up and mm-hmm. becoming a musician. Like, you know, I was revisiting Nirvana. I was revisiting um, um, System of a Down. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you started with heavy, with heavy metal, right? You started yeah. out heavy metal singer. Yeah, yeah. I, well, at first I, I, I taught myself in the house with Celine Dion, Mariah Carey. And then as soon as I started university, I met um, other rockers like me, and we started this heavy metal band, and we would play very, very, very goth stuff, as well as, you know, some a little bit pop, poppy poppy rocky other stuff (laughs) would it have to be underground in tunisia at that time or oh yeah issue yeah Yeah, yeah. so how did you do underground so i was lucky enough that on the first day of my of college um i um somehow i went to this engineering school but all i did well the good thing is because it was engineering school they had money so they had 
one music club with instruments. So they had an electric guitar, they had drums. It was actually the Oriental Music Club, and we took it over. And basically, we never went to class, and we launched our band, and our band uh, name was Idiom. Uh, we were trying to be clever. E-D-M? I-D-I-O-M. Oh, Idiom. Yeah, yeah. What like, does that mean? It, well, I was trying to be clever and meaning that it was like our own expression, you know, <laughs> kind oh, okay. of thing. I should uh, look up the definition <laughs> yeah, of the word. Yeah, I was looking in a... <laughs> And Joe are like, what is that? Yeah. What's the word yeah. mean? <laughs> Idiom. Idiom. It's something that's proper to a language. Like there are there are expressions in English that you can't exactly translate in French and mm-hmm. you know, vice versa. You have a lot of like things in certain languages that, that are hard to translate into a different language. Mm. And so that was our uh, music. It's above supposedly. our pay grade over here. <laughs> Sorry. <hold on. laughs> Did you look it up? I'm going to have an internet issue. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. If like, so in, in the case of, of growing up in, in a dictatorship like that, and if you're like, kind of like making music or expressing yourself in secret to a degree, what happens to people that get found out? Well... The thing is, you know, why revolution was successful, at least, uh, you know, we got rid of the dictator, is that they were idiots, you know. The dictators they, are yeah, idiots. They're yeah. always idiots. Yeah, of course. Right? They're just jealous of people having fun. Exactly. So <laughs> they, they, can't, they don't understand. There's a lot of things that they don't understand, you they know. They have no sense of humor, for instance. Exactly. <laughs> None. <laughs> so. <laughs> they don't know when you're kidding or not. Exactly. And they don't, they don't know exactly what you're doing and they don't know exactly what you mean. And they don't know why you're doing it. They just don't want you to do it because there's nothing they can do. Exactly. It really comes down to that. It's an ex- so- uh, idiom, an expression whose meaning cannot be inferred from the meaning of the words that make it up. I can't even. That was just yeah. my brain is like. Isn't that an awesome name? Yeah, it's it <laughs> clever. <laughs> what does that mean again? An expression whose meaning cannot be inferred from the meaning of the words that make it up. Meaning, whatever words make up that word, it doesn't mean what those words means. It means something completely different. If Did I get that sort of correct? I still don't know what it means. Well, a, a, an idiomatic word or an idiomatic expression is really related to, to one language. You know, like, I don't know what we could say in English that is hard you can't translate it into another language you know it's really proper to english like maybe slang or something that just has a meaning and it only means that in english and there's no other word for it in another language well for example i'm always trying to say par contre in french you know because like i'm I'm also (laughs) partly french And I can't try find a translation for that. I tr- I was trying to say it earlier, but I'm like, I need to translate this, meaning that at the opposite of, but not exactly, you know, but like if you you're saying something and then you want to say something completely different, basically. So par contre is a, is an idiom, you know. Voila. <laughs> back back to <laughs> the dictators being stupid. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Back to dictators being stupid. So they so they wouldn't punish you or what? Well, the punishment was that, you know, I was never able to be 
really public. Like I couldn't. You couldn't perform. I couldn't perform. Like I could perform, but in a certain circle.、Mm-hmm. So I didn't have access to festivals. I didn't have access to you know. I could go like once in a while to a radio show, but they would specifically ask me what to do and what to not do. All right. So it was very di- right at festivals.、Control. You could only play certain songs. How how would that I, work? You couldn't be programmed in festivals. There were tiny underground stuff happening where you could perform or theaters, you know, small theaters. But you can't just like have a career, you know, whatever that meant back in the days. Uh, so basically, I was people never knew about me. Like、right. you would say, when somebody has, we we're a small country, you know.、Uh, when there's like somebody who has a lot of talent, you would say they could do a little bit of a path in their home country first. But that wasn't possible for me. I couldn't get anywhere. And then eventually, Facebook started happening. You know. Is that、But、how you got successful? How did success come to you? I think yeah. I think that's how I. Well, eventually I ended up moving to France because I really couldn't do anything anymore. In Paris.、Did、yeah. Paris. Yeah, and in Paris I discovered that I had a fan page. I had a Facebook fan page,、uh-huh. and that was a revelation for me. I'm like, oh my god,、right. I'm actually someone. Yeah. I mean something to some people. <laughs> right. And back in the days, I think it had like, you know, one thousand likes. I'm like, who, who, who、right. are these people? Right. Right. God bless France, man. They gave me my first like love too. Yeah, yeah. France. Was it easy to move? Did you need any special permission to leave Tunisia, or you just left? Well, you needed the visa, and so basically, what happened is that I found this program and bless France for that again. <laughs>、uh, they had this program for African artists, and you you would get a grant and a place to stay for six months. Um, so I I was selected, and then I I was doing like a, a restaurant gig back in the days. So I saved a little bit of money. So I remember like I went to my account, I withdrew, I changed it to euros. I had like fifteen, I think, fifteen hundred euros, and I got my visa, and I moved, and that was it. And then I had to figure out the rest to, of my life. You moved on your own. I moved on my own and. Um, did you I, know anybody in France, or did you just not really complete? Yeah, I, I was. I I knew I had a studio for six months. How old were you? I was twenty-five. Oh, okay. And、that's、I was. Old. That's good. Yeah, now thinking about it, yeah, because I didn't have a plan B. I never had. You know, I I did some you know years at college, but I never intended to do. To work as a graphic designer. I mean, I love graphic design, but to me, there was no other option. There would, there has never、the、been、music. a plan B, and never will, I guess. And I think my parents thought that I was going to do a master for some reason, because they expected that for a long time until they eventually gave up.、Uh, and then, yeah, I I tried to find ways to extend my visas and to extend、uh, from six months. I was staying in this.、Uh, Foundation where there were artists from all over the world, and I I was able to convince some organization to extend my stay, and then I extended to and I, I think the maximum two years, so that that was pretty cool. 
And then, yeah, then eventually I spread my wings and I started uh, making a, a decent living. At least I, I was able to survive on my own and I started saving a little bit of money. And, and eventually I signed my first record deal and I released my first How'd album. How'd you get the record deal? Well, it took some time. It took, it took like five years. Yeah, and who was it with? Um, it was with a label that uh, doesn't exist anymore, Harmonia Mundi. And they had like a sub-label called World Village. Because Harmonia Mundi is a historic classical record label for classical music. And so they, they started like these brands and now they were bought by Pias. So yeah, they saw me perform. I had my first agent, I think he saw, he saw a clip of that same, there was that same performance. The Nobel No, it was uh, another one in this awesome festival uh, called Les Sud at Arles in the south of France in this ancient uh, amphithe Roman amphitheater. Very beautiful. It was extremely windy that night. So it was really dramatic. <laughs> it was right. really like scenic. Uh, so yeah, my first agent, I signed with my first agent and the label after that performance. Wow. Yeah. So the performance really kind of like, it was your live performances that kind of got you yeah. the success. Yeah. But you went from Tunisia not being able to perform, maybe writing your own songs, moving to France and performing for the first time in France? Well, no, she performed, but she did it more I did a few, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I did a few performances in Tunisia, like in some small theaters. But I think, I think I've always... I think I was born to perform because I think the stage, the stage is something where I really feel complete. Yeah. Since I was a very, I've, since I was like, I was six years old and the teacher would call me in the front of the class because, you know, I used to learn all the children's songs. So she would call me to help the other kids. And I didn't have a stage fright, mm. you know, like my daughter, I know that my daughter She never wants to get attention like that. Hmm. She's very shy. She doesn't want anybody to tell her happy birthday. She doesn't want to be in front of a crowd. That's funny. And then the teacher started calling me to other classes, which is like for a six-year-old can be frightening to go to somebody else's class and be in front of the kids and sing. And I just did She it. She loved it. Yeah. Some of us are made that way. Do you have any siblings? I have three siblings. What are they? Uh, I have a younger sister mm -hmm. who lives in San Francisco. I have an older brother who lives in San Francisco, too. And I have an older sister who lives in Paris. Mm. So everyone left Tunisia eventually. Yeah. We're spread. Are your folks still alive? Yeah. What do they do? What do, you, what do your siblings do? Uh, so my brother works at Google. My younger sister works with a feminist NGO. And my older sister is a lawyer. Okay. So you're the only artist. Yeah, definitely. And the whole family spread from both sides. No artist ever, ever been found. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a crisis for my parents. You being an artist. Especially for my mom. I think my, my dad kind of went along with my mom trying to tell me not to. But eventually, you know... He just went along with whatever I decided for my life. But I think my mom, for my mom, it was really difficult. Why is that? Because it was inconceivable that one of her daughters could be a singer, you know? 
Right. Not not anything. As singer, you're gonna be on stage. Why was that so inconceivable? Because it means, uh, well, especially in the Arab world, it means bad. You know, like a singer is not a good life for a woman. You know, but it's funny because now she's such a groupie. Like she she'd loves go, it now. she'd go with me anywhere. <laughs> she'd watch. I could perform seven concerts straight, and she'd watch any one of them with the same attention. What? How do you explain that? <laughs> I think I think at first, like she had a lot of this energy because she was so conservative and she was so worried from what people can say or might say and the family and all of that. And then with the success that came, especially like when the song became such an anthem and it became viral and then the Nobel Peace Prize, it was she was just like so proud. Right. Because also people look at me not only as a singer. Uh, because there's so many dimensions to what I do, and a lot of people have, especially in Tunisia, have such a respect for me and for 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 from what I did and what I'm doing. Because so that, because you speak for freedom. Yeah. What was it about that song that you felt like you know that made just that people? Why did it attach itself to the to the Arab Spring in Tunisia back then? Well. Simply because the lyrics were describing exactly what will happen, but like four years before the facts. Well, people didn't know that because obviously people discovered the song. I mean, most of the people, it became really viral after, after. the revolution. So it just speaks about, you know, the red rose that, you know, goes out in fire trying to call for the free, you know, to save her. And that's exactly what happened. What are the lyrics? Um, <clears throat> I am the free that are, I am the free who are not scared. I am the secrets that never die. I am the voice of who did not give in. I am the sense amid the chaos. I am the right of the oppressed that's being taken by these dogs that are stealing the bread of the house and betraying um, our rights, basically. Did you write that? No, um, a Tunisian, a young Tunisian poet wrote the lyrics. It's incredible. I love that. What's the first line? I am, um, I am the free who are not scared. I am the uh, free who are not scared. I am, I am the secrets that never die. And. Was it a song that you covered, or was it a, a poet that you collaborated with? We co actually, we collaborated together. Uh, back then, it was my early composing days. I was just starting to be to write my own songs, and we met at this great festival. It's a amateur film festival. And all the young artists used to go with their guitars, with everything. And we would sleep at 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's spend the night bohemian. singing, yeah, by the beach. And he gave me this little piece of paper folded. Mm -hmm. And he said, whatever you want to make of it, you know. And it was those lyrics. lyrics. And I read it and I'm like, this speaks to me. I can do something. But for a long time, I couldn't really find music. 
And for a long time, I had the song I was working on, and I was trying to stick a third part of it because I was to be very progressive back then. I used to write these like four or five part songs. Right, it couldn't be simple. And I'd say, yeah, exactly. And at that, and at some some point, I'm like, this part didn't didn't doesn't work. Right, it's like in a completely different atmosphere. And then I, I tried both together, the lyrics that didn't have a music and the music that exactly didn't fit, and it just fit perfectly. I think it, I had never something happened that way. Right, like I didn't even had to redo anything or yeah. retouch or you know tweak or it was chorus verse chorus verse bridge chorus yeah, you described it like jim carrey's mask on in an exactly interview. that's exactly you. what happened <laughs> like, did i yeah you yeah. did <laughs> yeah it was meant to be yeah 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 absolutely so maybe maybe yeah maybe that's the magic of songs you know sometimes the magic is there because they were asking me today in a in a tunisian radio interview and they were like so you know one would say 10 years or so after you released the song and the song was already a success and now it's another success this this is like so rare why is that and i'm like i i don't know i mean this song it's also magical for me and i've had like this crazy love hate relationship with it even because i remember i blew up uh, an interview at npr all things considered once because I was just so fit up from being associated it. with it. What happened? You like you had a temper tantrum? <laughs> no, no, not even that. Not even that. I was actually it was it was a crazy timing because I was it was the night before my biggest performance ever. You know, I, I still have this difficulty in performing in Tunisia, like you would say you know, I could do this and, and perform as much as I want and do crazy tours. I've never done any tours. It's still like a crazy dream for me to You've do never a toured? tour. I've never toured in Tunisia. I've had oh, like single performances. Right. You know, yeah, Tunisia. Yeah. yeah, I've toured everywhere else. I even performed in New Zealand. <laughs> like, you which is... You want to tour Tunisia. I would love to. It's my wildest dream, and somehow it still never happened. And so that year, I was scheduled to perform in Carthage Festival on the Auditorium of Carthage, which is also a Roman antique theater. Mm-hmm. And this is like the most prestigious, the biggest, almost like African festival, music festival. You, you'd have like big stars from the whole Arab region and beyond. Uh, <clears throat> so... And actually, they canceled me. They they confirmed with me, and then they canceled me. Why? I don't know. And then I called them out on Facebook, and I had so much support that even like French uh, French media started talking about it. So they wrote me back, and they say, and they said, no, 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 we have nothing against you. Please, let's let's perform. <laughs> let's have you perform. So then they put me back in the schedule on the schedule. Anyways, it was such a crazy uh, performance. Like it, to me, it was like almost the impossible concert. So it was the night before, and I had this interview with NPR, All Things Considered, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, one of the Huge. most imp- interviews you could have. Right. After this one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not as big as this, but it's big. Well, it's <laughs> nothing as interesting as this, I have Thank to say. Thank you. You're sweet. No, I'm, I'm, I, I, I mean I hope it. we're not driving you crazy because we're like all over the place. But. Well, it's more interesting because that way I get to like, express so many different things that right, I'm not right. necessarily, you know, asked about. So anyways, 
long story short, uh, this for this interview, they do a prep interview before, which is great. And based on the prep interview, I was really feeling good about it. And that's why I said, okay, I will do it the night before this crazy performance, which is like um, 25 people on stage, you know, a theater big as 12,000, uh, you know, seats. It's an arena here. So I was, my voice was like, 50%. <laughs> I was not speaking anymore to anyone. Um, and then you I started the interview. I was saving my voice okay. and I was overtired. I was producing the whole thing. I was in charge of the whole camera filming crew also because I was trying to do a, a movie about it. Anyways. Oh, you were making a documentary? Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was important because the, it's wild to perform in Tunisia. Right, so, right, right. so. Uh, and they started asking me what it was like to be singing in Tunis in 2011 in the street. What did it feel? And I'm like, I don't remember. You know, mm -hmm. it was like seven years ago. And I, it was just, you know, one question after the other like I'm that. Glad I didn't ask that <laughs> question. <laughs> so wait, keep going. So, and it was one question after the other like that. And like, what does the song say? And I wish like they would have warmed up with other things before. Anyway, I wasn't ready for that. And it I was like one question annoyed you and then it kept annoying you. And I'm not easily annoyable. I like right. interviews. I like talking to people. Yeah. You know, it actually helps me construct my thoughts. And yeah. you enjoy you know, the process. Yeah, I enjoy it. Can be enjoyed. Yeah, it can, it be. can be. It can be. But I can work it through tough ones right. or uninteresting ones. Yeah. And yeah, I did. I just didn't play along, so they just canceled it. Uh. They didn't. They didn't air it. You know, yeah, you, you were uh, you were being a difficult artist. I don't know. I was just being honest. Right. You know, I didn't have it in me. You know, and I can't. I I don't. I don't have prepped answers. I never. I never did. Mm. I just compose, and you have to be inspired. It's an inspiration exercise. It is. You yeah. know, if you if you if you're in a party and you're not inspired by the people, you're not gonna talk to them. Yeah. You know, you're gonna be annoyed by everybody talking to you, and you're just gonna leave. But it is showbiz. You gotta sometimes you just gotta dig a little deeper and bring out that personality. You know? like, especially when it's NPR. But I mean, I respect the vibe of like I've done. I've been there before too. Believe me. Did you ever blow up an interview? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's happened. To me. I know exactly what she's talking about, but. <laughs> but I've also like you know, just like, and I'm sure you have too. Also, it just depends. You said you were tired, fifty percent vocal. You're dealing with a film crew. You're you're dealing with a lot, and it was just too much heavy lifting. Because I'm sure you've been in situations like that before, where you've like pulled through, even though it was super annoying. Oh, absolutely! It right. was actually the first time. That you, that, I, I, I'm, yeah. I can be a good student, you right. know. I, I was a good student, <laughs> yeah, almost, yeah, all the time. Me too. So, <laughs> so I know, I know how to like what the f in it, your head and then yeah. say something else. Right. But yeah, it had to be that one. I don't know. It wasn't meant to be. So just to say that now, if they're gonna see the video that I just put out and me talking about the song again, they're gonna be like, uh huh. 
now you're talking about it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, maybe they will they will schedule another one. <laughs> hey, there's no business like show business. Where'd you get that bag? Well, bag, the necklace, the shoes, everything's fabulous. Oh, thank you. Well, Did you the see bag. Her shoes? They have yeah, but the... I'm asking about the bag right yeah, now, Poppy. I've been staring at the shoes. Give it a rest for a second. <laughs> Let me talk. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I I like I like fashion, so I I like having. Compliments. Where'd you get the bag? I got it at. Um, well, actually, I have a friend who has a, a, a glasses um, store in Soho. That has been looted, and actually, she's uh, doing a fundraising right now, Selima Optique. And she organizes, like, she invites designers and they do their own sales. Show so, this the bag. is a unique Show the bag. The bag is nice. This is a unique piece. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. The necklace is, it's, it's funny, but it's from upstate. Right. You know, you would say that this is from, Tunisia. you know, Middle East yeah. or, yeah. yeah. Influence. Yeah, somebody brought it from somewhere and it was incredibly cheap at a yard sale. <laughs> what about your tattoos? Um, so this one, um, it's an eye. Mm-hmm, on your hand. Yeah, it was my first tattoo. Um, it was when I first moved to Paris and I needed a protection uh-huh. that could always be with me. You know, right. like the evil eye. Yeah, so it was my eye against the evil eye. Right. And the birds were, when I first came to New York, I didn't move yet, but it was my first trip and I was so pissed off with everything. I was going through a bad breakup, bad everything. And I'm like, I need hope. And I saw this picture with these three little birds saying, "Don't never lose hope. Mm-hmm. And so it's the bird of the past, the present, and the future. You know. That sounds like a good idea for a song. Thank you. I I'm actually so I'm kind of connecting with that with the with the the two records that I recorded that will be out in sometimes in September or October actually, uh, the Tunis Diaries, and I just loved recording with the birds. We were just recording together the whole time. Yeah, we, we we kind of brushed over that. There were the birds and the frogs. That was interesting. <laughs> yes. So this is what's this called? The Tunis Diaries. Yeah. And it's a double album. Yeah, it's a double. I decided to put it out like that as a double album. It's a live album, but I did overdubs because mm-hmm. I love overdubs. <laughs> I do too. But that's why I'm trying not to do them. Exactly. You know, in the Arab tradition, there's no overdubs. Right. You know, it's only the solo. You know, powerful. Yeah singer and you know and you have these 20 minutes tracks i don't know if you've ever listened to you know any of the big stars from the 50s and the 60s and i respect that because i i try to do that on some of the tracks well Uh, in a recording if you just leave a vocal and just a guitar then that vocal and that guitar are huge exactly the uh the overdubs the more overdubs you put on the smaller and smaller everything gets so it's yeah. like it, it's interesting that way. Like yeah. it's just to play. I'm I'm enjoying playing with that sort of those dynamics of seeing how much space I can, or or how much I can do dynamically with just the voice and the guitar. Yeah, because you can always do overdubs and kind of like you can cover things up mm-hmm. and you can try to fill holes. Right. But I think yeah, I think the music should function perfectly. 
with with no overdubs. And I I love the format, just you know the classic, not even acoustic, the classic guitar, the sound of the acoustic guitar. I was listening to the first mixes today, and I'm super impressed because it's not like. Um, you know, the guy just lent me one of his extra guitars, so it's not even a particularly good guitar, and I'm not a particularly good player. So this is just li live things you did since the quarantine, basically. Yeah, I basically um, took example on the lives I was doing back then, and I'm like, I've never recorded anything like this. I've never shared. There is none. Uh, there's no recordings of me acoustically. I've done okay. it in some shows. So I'm like, I have to put this out, at least for the people who like my music. Right, so it's just acoustic and vocal, and then you did do overdubs. Yeah. And what were the overdubs? Well, for example, I was recording, um, I don't know if you know this track, uh, New Year's Prayer from Jeff Buckley. Uh -huh. It's like one of my most favorite tracks of all time. And it, I find that it's kind of like an Arabizing track. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the prayer started as I was as I was recording, so I kind of caught some of the prayer as I was recording New Year's prayer, and um, I just loved the connection of this track. To me, it's a little bit Spanish, it's a little bit like Andalusian, it's a little bit Arabic, and I like those mixes. So to me, I had to put like some voices out there you know a few a few different voices layers of voices um and i just did that whenever i felt it because you know it w it is a live album and i insisted on just having so it is only one track guitar and voice i didn't record separately um because it just takes out the magic you so know? when you do overdubs you're just talking about a few background vocals yeah nothing n not strings nothing like this or no no oh, okay so no. it's still pretty stripped down yeah it's very stripped down and it's huh. very bold because i'm not a very good guitar player and you could hear some of my you know yeah. um hiccups <laughs> guitar <Flubs. laughs> yeah uh and i think i think it's okay and even sometimes i would have like a full start but because there's the guitar on the track we can't do anything about it mm -hmm. um and i think it's fine because nowadays music is so bleached everything is so perfectly tuned you That's could even hear the auto-tuned yeah yeah that's trying to cover you know so I think we need a little bit of imperfection. That's what I've always been trying to do in my music. There's power and vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that people are going to like it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought, you know, why not? And things don't have to be polished all the time. And no. especially in this period that we're going through and that, you know, all the ancient models are fall, fall, fallen apart. You know, there's no absolute power meaning, you know. I agree. Um, like you see, you see how much, um, like at the same time that things are going wrong here, there's a lot of people that are speaking up and there are a lot of initiatives, a lot of civil initiatives that are organizing themselves and winning. And, um, you know, this thing has been so scary, like, wow, this pandemic and we all to have stay home and we can't travel and we can't perform. So I think we need to bring things back to the basics. Right. That's what I'm feeling too. That's why I'm doing I'm doing this similar thing. But I talked to, I was talking to my manager about it today cuz I was like, "Listen, we could release it as an acoustic album 
And that could just be phase one. Like, cause then it could be a produce, we could do performances that are full band and release it again like that. But maybe we should edit this part out of the podcast so I don't give away all my secrets. Nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> like, not, you're you not know. giving away too much. Yeah, no. It's, it's actually it's intriguing. It's fun though, yeah, it's yeah. fun. And next time you get that uh, acoustic guitar, tune it to 432 and see what happens. Oh, see yeah, what, I have see to what try happens. that, it's yeah. Just, it's just a slight difference, but you, I think you'll hear it. Yeah, I've been, I, 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 I don't know if you've ever listened to Jose Gonzalez. Uh-huh, yeah. I just love his guitar playing because yeah. and I, maybe that, that's why he, you know, all of a sudden he came out. Because, um, yeah, he tunes his guitar... I don't know if if it's the 432, but I just always loved exploring different tunings. Different tunings, yeah. yeah. That's different than the 432 yeah. thing. But yeah, I love yeah. alternate tunings as yeah. well. Yeah. Who are your favorite? Like, what was the thing about Joan Baez? Because that was like the early, that was kind of like when I was reading up on you, that was like, I equated it from when I discovered like Bob Dylan. I was like, I want to do that. You know, you had that similar thing with Joan Baez, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, totally. What was it about her? And you liked the simplicity of what she was doing, too, just the voice and the acoustic. Yeah, I was like, if I can if I can do just that, you know, go out there with my guitar and my emotions mm-hmm. and just move people, that'll be awesome, you right. know? And she's her voice is so powerful and so touching. And, yeah. And what do you think it is about you that wants that is motivated to move people with your voice and your emotions? Well, I think we're all trying to find a space for ourselves. We're all trying to find a use. I think it's very important for every one of us to feel that they're useful. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe people find that in religion or something. Purpose. Yeah, purpose. Yeah, better than use. But I I also also needed, needed the use thing, you know. I, I need to be useful. I need to be doing something. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so those those artists spoke to me because I saw the change, the real change that they were making, you know. So and my region was so messed up, right? You know, starting from my own country, that there was so much work to be done, and especially art uh, art wise because nobody was speaking up. We don't have a protest art mm. to start with. So I'm like, if I can do, you know, a, a tenth of this around me, then I would have a- accomplished something. Yeah. And do you think that you've done that? I think so, yeah. I mean, there's always like, you know, a step further and a step back. But when I see, it's not to be much like of a, uh, um, like happy of my own self and satisfied. Self-satisfied. Yeah, self-satisfied. Look at you over there all self-satisfied. I'm just kidding. But, you know, we, you know, I, of course, there are a lot of things that I'm self-satisfied about, but there's also a lot of things that I'm beating myself up. So I think it's nice at some point yeah. to step back a little and to be satisfied for a minute. Exactly. I'm always beating myself up. <laughs> it's like I can't win inside this three-pound universe. I'm telling you. No matter what I do, there's always there's, there's a guy inside going, you didn't do enough. <laughs> exactly. You're still not doing enough, bro. Yeah, like the, the video I was, I was telling you about, 
um, the new rendition of Kalimti Hora, the quarantine version. Just today I woke up and I watched and I'm like, I need to change five or six things in it. Right. And I was feeling so bad. Right, beating yourself up. And then I was, as I was naming them to my husband and explaining to him why exactly mm-hmm. that needed to happen, I realized that, you know, there's always going to be something, actually. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like it, it's uh, getting it, a lot of making stuff, making art, making anything is about just getting on with it and not worrying about it being too perfect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's always a side that, 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 you know, we can't win. There's always a part that, you know, can't be, you know, it can't can't be a 100% victory or 100% perfect. Right. So, yeah, when I see, like, young artists reaching out to me and, um, you know, being, trusting themselves and going out there and trying and singing multiple languages and... Mm you know being that eclectic i'm like okay so i think you know the the way that i'm paving that i'm maybe i won't get to where i need to get but at least maybe the the you know the little digging that i did would serve a little bit for other people yeah i don't know what language do you prefer to sing in uh right now english yeah why is that i don't know i i well I started singing in English in the beginning. Um, like I was saying, I didn't grow up in a traditional household. Right. I didn't listen. Maybe usually people in Tunisia listen to like the classic Arab tunes. and So I didn't grow up in any of that. Um, so I, I don't necessarily consider myself like a, a 100% Tunisian. I feel you. Yeah, like now I feel that there's this pressure on me to represent that culture or those expectations from me mm. that I never had. So I, when I started singing, so it's my mother singing language, English. So it doesn't feel that strange to me. Mm-hmm. But at some point I developed this character and this persona and this artistic Char- uh, uh, this artistic direction in the way I'm singing and the way I am as a singer. Um, and I wasn't convinced that that was it in English. So I kept on singing in Arabic and I was feeling it. I was inspired. I was writing these lyrics. I had stories to tell. I had emotions I wanted to convey in Arabic. And then on the day I sang New Year's Prayer, it was actually an improv. We were about to get on stage with my musicians, and we always have the same first track um, because I always need this one thing to hold on to, to warm up with, and right. to feel. Blanket. Yeah, exactly. The intro. <laughs> and then I, yeah. And then that day, I'm like, I'm sick of this track. Can we just go out there and just do anything, improvise anything? I don't care. And they were brave enough to just. And good enough to try. So they started playing and I started improvising with them, but using New Year's Prayer lyrics and, 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 and some verses. And we created such an awesome track that became a completely different one that I, I was in love with. And I just, every time I sing it, I feel this is me. This is me in the world and artistically now. And that me 
is maybe is in English, but it's not only because I'm singing in English. There's something. So I, I, I wrote my last album, uh, Everywhere We Looked Was Burning, and it's um, 90% in English. It's called Everywhere We Looked Was Burning. Was Burning. Yeah. Where'd you get that title? <laughs> so I was um, inspired by um, John Ashbery. Uh-huh. And the poet. Uh, yeah, the poet and uh, T.S. Eliot and uh, Rilke, the German poet. I know Rilke. <laughs> I don't know how to say it as good as you did. <laughs> but it's letters like, to a young poet. Yeah, Rilke. Rilke. I say so. There's still his, his thing about uh, his thing about marriage is great to protect one another's solitude. He's just awesome in every way. I yeah. just was surrounded with these three guys. Uh-huh. And they were all at the same time, they had like these powerful, this powerful way of using words and very, I could see like images all the way through. The imagery. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And all of a sudden, my uh, this album turned out to be a big tribute to nature and to environment and to all the crises that are happening in the world because of, you know, uh, destruction of nature and the ecosystem, etc., and that's what, hence everywhere we looked was burning. Mm. But then you were sampling nature too in there, right? Yeah, nature became like a completely first uh, character in every song and a changing character. Like it would go from the victim to the villain that's trying to go after us for revenge. Um, there's this song that I really, really love performing, uh, Maruh, which means from the soul. And to me, like I was seeing the exodus of the Syrian people, the exodus of millions of people fleeing, you know, fleeing the, basically what I believe is the consequences of the real uh, plague, which is capitalism. So, um, yeah, and then at the same, but also at the same time, maybe nature is the villain that's trying like the, you know, goddess Kali to just burn everything to the ground so that we can start over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the track, the main track from the album that's also uh, named Everywhere We Looked was Burning. And actually there's a very beautiful video that um, Sami Batik, uh, a great videographer that I work with for many years now, did and you could see also it's a tribute to all the population suffering in the in the world from Iraq to Syria to you could even see images from the protests in the U.S. the recent protests a very very powerful video that's uh, on my YouTube right now um, yeah and I just felt that it was time for me to 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 write an album in English and I wanted to write it I didn't want to just sing somebody else's lyrics it was like a whole you wrote it. What are the lyrics to Everywhere I Look is Burning? I'm going to sing it because <laughs> okay, yeah. somehow when I speak it. Please do. <laughs> um, no one remembers the lonely edges of the time lost in decay. I couldn't 
stop them from drowning. The hours are getting late. The hours are getting late. Beautiful. You should make an acapella album. You ever think about that? I did think about it. I actually started recording stuff when I was in Tunisia. Um, I actually recorded one track with just vocals. Right. One of the um, one of the tracks of this album, I re-recorded it in like kind of like in a churchy way. Mm-hmm. You know, I I actually love singing at churches. Um, when there's no one, <laughs> uh, it's just like I love that. It's the so spiritual. Yeah, it's so spiritual. You know, mm-hmm. even though like I, I'm an atheist. Are you really? Yeah. You don't believe in God? Nice. High five. <laughs> you're an you're an atheist. I don't know. You're going with I, atheist. Yeah, whatever. Straight atheist. Yeah, High fiving the fact that there's no God. You know me. I don't believe in like. Yeah, I, I don't care about words, but since I was, I remember I was, I was 15 and I just started thinking about it and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't have that connection. Mm, I definitely do. But I, I, and also I just don't think it's reasonable to think something can come from nothing. Yeah, I don't think, I don't, yeah, then it's like so hard. But to atheism trace it. is like, I, I can understand being agnostic or just not knowing. Well, that's what I want, maybe. But atheist means hard denial. Like it's like there is no God for no, sure. It's I like just it's don't it's having tons of faith that there is no God, and I that seems also like uh, just extreme, I guess. Like because how because like how do you explain the mystery of life and creation and everything? you know what I mean? Like then it gets scary, you know if. I think when I try to find the origin of the origin or reason, right. but at the same time, it's the contrast. At contrast, is that I'm a very mystical person. Yeah, you seem like mystical. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. to, so that, that's why that I think that's what surprised me when you said atheist. Like, I, I agnostic, I could get, I could get. Like, so just, what is agnostic again? Means you just don't know. You just don't just know. Just don't know. You don't, you, you're not like hardcore, like there is, atheist is like, I know there's no God. Like there's no creator. We just happen to be here from nothingness, I guess. I, like, or a big bang or whatever. Like, you know, but that's the atheist thing. Like, mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree with those things. But at the same time, I think, yeah, I think my religion is music. Yeah. I think when I'm when I'm in there I don't need to explain anything. I don't need, you know, there's right. no translations needed. Have you ever heard of Ho'oponopono? No. It's this mantra that goes, "I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you." Yeah. And it's nice cuz it just kind of like it just it clears up all this like all the negativity like that you accumulate or if you have like a situation with somebody somebody wronged you or this that you have that mantra go i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you and you sing it over and over again i love the bass in your voice sing it with me ready 
I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry. I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. Thank you. I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. We haven't had that on the podcast in a while. I know, it's a throwback. <laughs> but I just wanted to sing with you. That's why I brought it up. Well, you I was should just... collaborate. I mean, if there ever was a collaboration. I, know. I would love to, actually. Likewise. I think it would be wonderful to do a song together. Absolutely. Okay, that's great. I'm so happy to hear this. Come down here. Yeah. We'll film a session with the two of you. And, well, we you should know. do that. We should do like some kind of like live stream session or something. Sure. I'm doing one with GE Smith coming up. Like we should do one. We should like do one. I, I would do it for you guys, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. it. I do like multi-camera, nice professional stuff. Yeah. Nice, okay. Yeah. That'd be, be good fun. Outlet. Cool. It's so great to meet you. Likewise, yeah, so likewise. Great. This is really, such a wonderful. Really happy we connected. And th shout out yeah. to Annie O for yes. uh, Oh, Annie us. O connected us. Yeah. Yes. You know, she was my first ever publicist. Oh. I love her. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. this was Annie O connection. Yeah, yeah. Annie's Hi, my Annie. manager. Hi, Annie O. She's yeah. your manager. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's awesome. She's a wonderful person. Yeah. Well, did you ever like, I was going to ask you if you had any other connection with real world and you somewhat do if you're with, connected with Annie O. That's how I met her through Peter Gabriel. Oh, not really. She's I not actually, with them anymore. Uh, well, I, yeah, actually, I know that, but uh, they're still. Yeah, they're still connected, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I actually met Annie when I first moved to New York because she's working, she's doing the live series at The Standard. Yeah. yeah. And I did... I did a couple of them and I uh, did one well I'm gonna say last year it seems like in in forever, forever. yeah 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 it was like I and think the last blogger she does it on Instagram now on her own account and yes. has features artists from all over the world yes yeah. yeah. awesome it out on her yeah. on her Instagram Annie O Music I think Yes, Annie Music Live Series. and uh, I want to do one with her. Maybe we should do it Oh, with she her. would love it. Yeah. I, I'm going to do one, like, probably in August. But, yeah, you should. All right, you got to go, right? It's 6, so, yeah, 6 I, I, have a, I have a live stream somewhere really? else. Really? Yeah. 6 6.15? Yeah, 6.15. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, we rock. It seems like I just got here, like, seriously. No, listen, we could go on for another, like, two hours, but... <laughs> Well, half well, the time it's just me and Ehud fighting. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really tell. I don't know. <laughs> that's, the, that's the vibe of this podcast. Wow. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I knew I, knew I was going to have fun. Yeah. I don't know. Like, since, since Annie told me about the idea, I was so looking forward to it. But, wow. Did you like it? I loved it. And I haven't laughed like this in a long time. Hang out with us some more. You want. Yeah. <laughs> How long have we been talking? I don't know. Like an hour and a half, maybe. Is or it, give uh, or take. I don't give know. Give or take. We but stopped. Do you guys, we started. I don't know. 
But do you guys like edit? Yeah. Well, no, we don't edit anything. Oh, no. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can if you Un want. No, Uncut no. Uncut conversation. Yeah. And hopefully you'll promote on your face. This is going to come out on Tuesday. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it goes, goes with your release and, and everything. That's and, great. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, you know, good quality conversations are yeah. so rare. I'm sorry for the do noise. You, do you do anything like with in terms of like uh, one last thing is like self-help, like you don't have a religious thing, but do you do like yoga or like any kind of breathing exercises or anything or like any, what, what do you do to like maintain positive, <laughs> positive mental attitude? Okay. What I do to maintain positive attitude. Well, yeah. I exercise. Yeah. I organize and clean dishes. Oh, I need to do more of that. <laughs> I need that for my sanity That's because funny. I maybe it has to do because I'm a math. Ma I was good at math. A meth, a meth head? No, I'm just no kidding. math mathematics. Math. <laughs> That's the I, engineering. I love. I love. Yeah, maybe. But I need like everything has to be organized. I'm not a maniac, but like. Mm. What's your sign? Capricorn. Ah. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but Capricorn. Capricorn. Uh, well, no, I, I know. I know, know what Capricorn yeah. is. I'm saying yeah, I'm I don't know what it means uh, astrologically. Yeah, astrologically. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Strong-headed. Yeah. But anyway, so I start like washing this and organizing, and I I make a big point out of it, you know, to be perfect, and then all of a sudden, I'm not stressed or I'm not negative anymore because mm. I'm doing something constructive. That's but meditation, I, should, I guess. It's kind of, med yeah, it's a fucked up meditation, but... Uh, <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> but uh, mainly, yeah, I think music is the thing that relaxes me the most. Mm -hmm. I don't listen that much, honestly. Yeah. But I try, like, when I'm, you know, working on something or recording, that takes me immediately, like... Yeah. You know, like, what was, I, what was I annoyed by? Right. You know? I know, what a gift. Like to be able to go into those realms, right? Like so many people cannot. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, I think it's, we got to stay grateful about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Somebody was asking me and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure like everybody would, would love to have the gift of singing. Yeah. You it's know? a huge gift. I would like it. <laughs> we, you should just try it i know you have a great voice i need to learn guitar you have first. a nice voice nice voice if you just sustain that voice instead of just talking it's sustain talking is singing <laughs> it's no big deal but thank you for doing this of course it's such our, a great pleasure how did oh, you man. how did you think about it about podcast yeah. podcast in general no this one this one. Oh, with you I... well, not not with me but like this series oh this oh. series we started a year ago i'd say yeah like, well, this we, is oh, episode okay. 94 94 episodes we've we've done a lot wow yeah, yeah. what are the highlights this one Aww. This is a high one. This is top ten. <laughs> it's definitely a good one. Really you good know, one. It's, it's been... like it's really a pleasure to meet you. I gotta tell you. So likewise. Yeah, really. Is. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What else? What else is a good one? Mark Lanigan People is a is one like is that, one yeah. that stands it's been out. Mostly musicians that either Joe knows or I know or come through town that we managed to book. 
GE Smith, who I'm getting ready to do a, yeah. a live stream with. He was a great one. Yeah. A lot of, we, we managed to snag a lot of big icons from, GE Smith played with Bob Dylan. Rosanna Arquette was a good one. Nice. We went to her house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Here? That was, that was uh, deep. That was in no, LA. In LA. Okay, so you get, but we you traveled. guys live here. Yeah. yeah, we live here. But yeah. you travel for the podcast? Sometimes. Once we did, we went to LA to do five episodes. That's so nice. Yeah, we went upstate every now and then. Yeah, but oh, it would have been cool to have you guys. Well, I want to like, Next yeah, time. I want to talk to you about that because I want to start going up there more, and I'm looking for like little places to rent, I guess, up there. So if you sure. know anybody, yeah, yeah, you can come to our place. Okay. I uh, we have this barn. And I, um, I put a little studio up there. There's like a fl uh, first floor. Do you Airbnb it or whatever, or like that kind of thing? Um, or f to friends? We, yeah, we didn't start Asking yet. Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't start yet, but yeah, very happy to even like have you, you know. Asking just for a friend. For, you know, for free, like. Yeah, appreciate seriously. that. No, sure. It's a nice space. It's a very nice space. Um, so yeah, let's definitely keep in touch. Okay, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Take it easy, y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow, I'm going to miss this uh, headphone. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.